When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The Dugout. Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. So here we are, nine months, 37 games and so many twists and turns, but we're finally at the end of another Premier League season. But who will be champions? Who will play in Europe next season? And who will go down? Will it be Liverpool or will it be Man City? Will it be Tottenham or will it be Arsenal? Will it be Burnley, Leeds or Everton? All questions that still need to be answered and we'll find out those answers on Sunday afternoon. Welcome to the dugout from Sports Social, the Premier League podcast featuring former top flight professionals. My name's Niall McCorn and joining me for the final dugout of the season, former Everton and Burnley man Trevor Stephen. How are you doing, Trevor? I'm very good, thank you. Can't believe it's nine months, mate. It's just, it just flew, flew by there, didn't it? Here we are. Flew by as quick as Matt Jarvis down the wing, the former West Ham Wolves <laughs> and Norwich wingers with us as well. How are you, Jarvo? Yeah, very well, thank you. Good work there, very well. I've done well. Trevor teed it up and I just tapped it in. That was a nice little open goal for me to start the podcast. Assist, assist. Yeah, good old assist. Many of those Trevor had in his time and certainly every Premier League fan has enjoyed what's been an up and down season. Um, There's been so many twists and turns, as I said, but here we are at the end. Game 38, match day 38 of the top flight campaign 2021-22 is upon us and as I said there is still so much to be decided and of course many eyes will be at the top of the table on Sunday will it be Liverpool who are crowned champions or will it be Manchester City City currently lead the way they are top of the table at the moment but it's not out of the question that Liverpool win the two games this weekend all matches taking place at four o'clock on Sunday by the way Liverpool against Wolves at Anfield and Manchester City against Aston Villa at the Etihad now we've asked this question every week Jarvo for the last six months but this weekend we'll finally get an answer who's going to do it City or Liverpool (laughs) Well, to be fair, last time I was on it, I I said that I thought both teams weren't going to drop any points till the end of the season. Now, I got that one wrong, but (laughs) it's been very close. Um, I still think that City are going to win. I I just can't see 
<laughs> I can't see them dropping points. I know that it sounds silly after I got the last one wrong, but they're just so strong. Yes, like for instance, Liverpool, they're they're playing in all these different competitions. Everyone's saying how they'll be fatigued, you know, mentally, physically, they're changing the squad here, there and everywhere. But they know how to win games and they just keep plugging away. They they score in important goals and they know how to win. City, everyone questioned them after the um, defeat against Real Madrid and they come back and have been incredible. You know, that that's that's the bounce back that they've had with uh, after the Real Madrid one it was just it, it's just what exactly what they needed to get back to the Premier League but they were very very lucky uh, in the sense that against West Ham going 2-0 down thinking wow you know, that what a place to go there and get a draw out of and then have the chance with Mares to win from the penalty spot which there's no way that you thought he was going to miss. You just thought that was the turnaround. That's it. Going to go around, get the goal, and it was going to be a, you know an incredible turnaround up to uh, at the Olympic Stadium. You know that that was going to be it. But it all just seems to hang in the balance now. But I still don't see anything other than a both teams to win and, and Man City to win the league. I think that Mares penalty is a really interesting point because I remember he took one against Liverpool a couple of seasons ago where he put it over the crossbar and that game finished a draw. And I think in the end, the title was won by just a single point. So if that had gone in, it would have been a, a safer cushion and it looks like it could be a similar situation this weekend if things go to plan for Man City who have got Aston Villa at the Etihad Trevor and effectively for them it's a cup final isn't it if they win they win the league it's as simple as that uh, yeah it is um, it, it's, a, it's a massive 90 minutes of, of football isn't it I think Man City just drew at West Ham just to keep it, keep the excitement going <laughs> I think um, give us something to talk about I mean it's, it's kind of good for us though isn't it the fact that they did yeah. that it, it really is a meaningful last day uh, and anything can happen and, you know, you immediately think about Aguero, don't you? Aguero, you know, I mean... Yeah, 10 years on as well. Yeah. 10 years on, exactly. Exactly. So, so uh, anything can happen. <clears throat> I can't imagine no Man City. They've had time to prepare uh, and get everything right. All the players will be you know, well rested as well leading up to this one. Um, of course, there is a, a, an element of... Uh, the Steven Gerrard, uh, uh, you know, influence what that will have. I mean, it's out of his hands anyway. I'm sure, of course, he wants to win, but it's it's one of those, isn't it? Um, Pep Guardiola, this bunch of players, their their levels are so high. They're so professional. Their margins, you know, for Liverpool and Man City, the margins they start a season with is uh, we've got like a point or two to be on or off. By the end of the season, I mean the pressure, game by game, is immense. But now that the finishing line is there, I, I really can't see it. I can't see it happening, and I don't think, therefore, the quadruple will not will not happen. But um, it, it'll still be uh, a tense atmosphere at the Etihad for sure. Um, you know, Villa are not going to make it easy, and uh, it's just exciting stuff. Really, it's exciting stuff. Um, you know, if Villa get through to half time. Imagine nil nil, right? Really put the, you know, batten down the hatches, make it really difficult. Uh, I mean that that last forty five minutes is going to be uh, something to behold, isn't it? 
certainly is. And you know what? You mentioned the fact that the margins are so slim. You know, Liverpool drawing to Tottenham a couple of weeks ago, a few people threw in the towel and said, that's it, City will go on and win it. But Tottenham are a decent team with great players and a very good manager. So to draw with them and it all of a sudden be considered, you know, like, like the title's gone. Liverpool have only lost two games in the league all season. So the, the stats and the levels, as you mentioned, from these two sides are incredible. I wanted to get your thoughts, Jarvo, on what Trevor just said there. For instance, if it's sort of goalless after an hour against Aston Villa, do you think some of the memories of that Real Madrid game might start creeping up into these players or are they too experienced for that? Well, um, yes, they are very experienced. They've played in these games a number of times, um, but you're obviously being fresh in the mind from the Real Madrid game. But Pep's, I think Trevor said, you know, he, they've got time to prepare for this game and that's the key for, for me. They, they're going to be running all sorts of different drills and scenarios but ultimately the way that they play is exactly how they've done all season. They keep the ball, they create chances. That's the Pep Guardiola way, that's the Man City way so there's nothing that, that won't change from that and the more and more tense it goes, you've seen over this season how many goals they score in the second half towards the end of games because they they wear the opponents down. You know, the, the Villa players are going to be chasing, running here, there and everywhere, trying to s- stop them scoring. But the last 10 minutes, you get tired, you know, and your mind switches off and then they've got players that will just punish you for all all around the park. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, De Bruyne or, or, or Mares. It can be Laporte come from the back, you know, it's defenders that come up and score from set pieces. They've got talent all over the pitch. So, yes, it will be nervy. And each time that, you know, each minute that goes by and it stays nil-nil, there'll be more and more pressure on them. But they've proved over and over again this season that towards the end of games, when it really matters, they, they get something. For Liverpool to win, they'd need to better Man City's result. They've got Wolves. It's still possible. And Jurgen Klopp was smiling in a recent post-match interview, Trevor, as if to say, well, you know, this is the beautiful game and strange things have happened. And we've seen crazy moments like the Aguero thing in the Premier League in the past. So it is a, it is a case of, of all or nothing almost from a Manchester City perspective, because, you know, if Liverpool don't win the Premier League, it's kind of okay because they've won two cups. They've got a Champions League to look forward to. If City don't win it, Trevor, they could end the season with nothing, which is crazy to think, uh, considering the levels that they've set. Yeah, I mean, on, the, on the face of it, it, it would be regarded really as a, a almost a catastrophic result for a year's work. Um, and, and then they would have to ask themselves, well, why did we not get over the line? Obviously, Liverpool are pressurised and been brilliant at doing so all the way through the season. But it's got, and then it will link into the to you know the Real Madrid loss as well. Well, what 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 went wrong there? And I think it will start to get um, maybe a little a bit of criticism coming Pep's way. But you know what they've done in the transfer market with with Haaland coming. I think it almost recognises that there was a bit of a. A bit of a gap in the in what Pep actually wanted um, in an ideal world, and he wasn't going to get what he wanted in a in a uh, in the last transfer window, the, the one before January, that I mean last summers, uh, and he, he went with this the false name, and you can't argue with it that it, it is it has worked and uh, they've got successful results, but there will be heavy. Um, uh, so a microscopic view of you know what was how did it not 
how did it not work in the end for for Man City? Um, we're arguing a point here, a hypothetical that City don't turn up on the day, and I, I, I'm like Matt. I just I just don't see it. I just see that they will move the ball so quickly um, from the first minute. And, uh, and and get an advantage pretty early in the game, you know, which might dampen the the afternoon for us as neutrals. Um, but I don't see anything beyond that. I, I just think these players are so professional uh, when it comes down to it. You know, Man City should beat Villa on any given Saturday afternoon anyway, or Sunday afternoon as it will be this week. Um, and I don't see a surprise. Albeit, I do like... You know, the liveliness about the front line uh, at Villa at the moment, I think they do have goals in them. Um, Watkins is, is doing well. Ings is looking as fit as he's looked for, for a long, long time. Uh, and he's got a great uh, finish in the locker when he's given the opportunity. But I just think just too strong. I think they're too strong. I think as well, I've seen some pictures of Man City training this week and it looks like John Stones and Kyle Walker could both be back for City, which will obviously be a huge boost for them defensively to, to nullify that Villa attack. Liverpool have got Wolves, Javo, but they've also got the Champions League final against Real Madrid. Jurgen Klopp made some changes, a lot of changes actually. He left out Salah, Van Dijk and Mane for the game against Southampton midweek, which they won 2-1. Do you think that there'll still be an element of Jurgen Klopp looking ahead to that Champions League final and playing his cards a little bit closer to his chest? Or do you think he'll go full guns ablazing this weekend on the off chance that they might just win the Premier League as well? <laughs> I think it, it it proves what an incredible squad and manager that he is to be able to make, well, I think it was nine changes or something, and for them to go and win a game. And it wasn't just any game. It was a really important, hard game. And they just went and got the result. And it, it just proves how good the squad is and the togetherness of that team. And it's not just, you know, all of the, you know, the starting 11 that have got that mentality of that winning, winning games and at any cost. It's the whole squad. Um, so whatever team he picks, which is, you know, he, he can pick <laughs> out of the 25 man squad. You look at, he can change that front three. Firmino played incredible the other night. You then look, you can play Diaz, you can play Sally, you can play Mane, you know, Jota. It's, it's not a bad situation to be in when you can, you can pick three of them. So, um, well, do you know what? A I, great stat, Javo, is that I think Minamino scored against Southampton 13 goals this season and yeah. he's only started one Premier League game. And I know a lot of them have been that. in the Cups, but they've won both Cups. So exactly. it's just crazy, the depth. I just want to add uh, to, to what Javo was saying that, the mindset and the mentality thing. Um, and of course, Man City have it uh, and Liverpool have it. I actually think Liverpool have more of it than than Man City have. And I, I don't think, you know, Guardiola is more bristly as a, as a manager. Um, Klopp seems to just be a sort of wave of calm and obviously will raise the pitch of his voice when necessary. But my goodness, he's got... He's got players sitting there absolutely glued to the mission and they're on the bench behind them. Uh, I don't think you get that actually so much with uh, with Man City. And I, I don't know, Matt, you say you agree with me. I, th- I just think it's a, I think it's almost sets Klopp sl- slightly apart. If you were a player who you really would love to play for, and I think, you know, I would, I'd go with a Klopp rather than a, than a Guardiola. 
I've, I've never asked myself that question before. <laughs> and, and for me, being an Evertonian, saying I would play for Klopp, you know, that, that doesn't ring right in my head. Yeah, at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? We'll dive into that a little bit deeper later on in the podcast because both managers are up, as you'd expect, for the Manager of the Season award. So we'll come on to that a little bit later. Just quickly then, is it a clean sweep for Man City from the dugout panel today? You fancy City to be champions? Yeah, I, I definitely do, yeah. 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 I fancy City, yeah. Okay, well, who do you fancy? Let us know on social media. At the Sports Social is our Twitter handle. Get in touch, get involved, let us know. It's promising to be an exciting end to the Premier League season, particularly when it comes to the title race. But it's not just the top of the table that's yet to be decided. Of course, the top four is still being uh, fought out between Tottenham and Arsenal. Tottenham in pole position at the moment and the bottom of the table as well. Relegation still to be decided. Burnley leads Everton. Three teams are still in the mix as things stand. And we'll talk about that next here on The Dugout. The Dugout. Premier League preview. Football Social Daily. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The Dugout. Premier League preview. Football Social Daily. Welcome back. This is the Dugout, the Premier League podcast featuring former top flight players Trevor Stephen, formerly of Everton and Burnley and ex-West Ham Wolves and Norwich winger Matt Jarvis are alongside me on today's show. The final preview show of what's been a long but exciting season. And the race for the top four has been almost as attractive and entertaining and interesting as the relegation and title winning pictures because Tottenham and Arsenal seem to have been going blow for blow over the last few months. But now it is the Spurs side managed by Antonio Conte who are looking likely to finish in that fourth spot. And they're largely in pole position there after Arsenal's slip ups. Final day of the season, Jarvo, they've got already relegated Norwich away from home. They could hardly have picked a a better opponent than the Canaries, but they can't be complacent because as we've seen at times in the past when it comes to Tottenham, they have let things slip when they probably shouldn't have done. So it might not be as easy as it looks on paper. No, but I I think Conte has come in and his whole purpose of this season was to get them in this position. So I I don't see them then getting to this position with one game left and if you win, you get it away as you say at Norwich I think they're going to have enough the players are going to know in their minds that this is huge for them as a club and to keep the manager and to keep that group of of players together Um, so yes they probably well they do have the easier draw um, the easier match and 
the, the players are totally focused. I'm sure they are. They, I bet they couldn't believe their luck when they saw the result against Newcastle and they were just for Arsenal and just like, it's, it's our time. This has got to be it. Um, and, 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 then, and for me, you know, if they get it, it's thoroughly deserved because whoever at the course of the season gets themselves in that fourth position is, is, is worthy of it. So, yes, it's the ups and downs and everyone will be, you know, as a Spurs fan, will be just thinking, why don't we just do it the easy way when we win the games we're supposed to win and, and we fight out the rest. But they, they like to do it their own way. And, and if it comes that they beat Norwich and they get fourth spot, then congratulations, they've done an excellent job. Yeah, we've come a long way, Trevor, haven't we, from three months ago in the end of February where we were talking on the podcast about whether Antonio Conte could walk away from Tottenham after they lost to Burnley in that midweek match. And he did that crazy post-match interview and said, you know what, I'm not sure I'm worth my, my money here. I'm not sure I'm picking up my paycheck. Now they could well finish fourth. It's funny how it works. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. But that's a long time in football, isn't it? Three months. Yeah. Um, you could lose two jobs in three months, you know. <laughs> you, get, you kind of get six weeks, don't you, to prove yourself. Uh, Conte uh, is just—he's—he's a—he's a proven winner, and I think where where he's taking Tottenham to now, which is pretty well, you know, fourth place. Um, I think they will be real solid contenders in the mix next season, going into one more transfer window. The Harry Kane issue is no longer there. You know, that uncertainty and doubt. He, he's going to stay at Tottenham because Champions League, that's what that's what real, really Harry Kane wanted and just to be in, in contention. And Tottenham will be in contention next season. Uh, they've got everything. They've got the training ground. They've got, um, you know, the fantastic new stadium. They've, they've got Harry Kane, England's captain. They've got some really good players and they can add to them. Uh, and they've got Conte, who's just a driving force. So what happened to him after the after the Burnley game was was a, he lost his direction and, and, and belief in the players, you know. I don't think he ever lost belief in himself. His his message just wasn't getting through, and I don't know what I don't know what happened um, for it for them to sort of grasp the nettles and, and get on with it and, and start to put results together. But they managed it. But through that period, they've always also had this um, like Arsenal. This capacity to implode, um, and that's happened once or twice. But Arsenal have done it more. And if I look at that Arsenal squad compared to the Tottenham squad here and now, and what it will take for them to be real contenders next season, I think Tottenham squad is nearer to that. Uh, and they've got the manager in Conte. I'm not saying Arteta's a you know a poor manager. I think he's done a good job, but um, I think Conte gives them that extra. So I expect yeah. onwards and upwards for from Spurs. Yeah, I think most people would agree with you that Conte's a bit of an upgrade on Arteta, who, by the way, Arteta has just signed a new deal. I say just, but in the last two weeks, he's signed a new deal. Since he's put pen to paper on that contract, Arsenal have lost their last two games, which means they're in fifth, two points back from Spurs in fourth. They can still finish fourth, much like the top of the table. If Tottenham um, lose and Arsenal win, Arsenal get into the Champions League. But it looks, Jarvo, that the Gunners are going to have to settle for fifth place. If it is to be fifth, how much of a forward step is that for the club? Despite not getting Champions League, they have improved on last season. And although they'll be gutted because they're in a good position to do so, it's still kind of, if you look at it on face value, a better season for them. For the start of the season, if you had said to them fifth, they would have bit your hand off. You know, I think that's a, 
it's a it's a very successful season on the basis that where they were at the start of the start of the season. You know, everyone was talking they were in the relegation zone, everything was going everything was all doom and gloom for them. So Arteta has pulled it around, he's made some really, really tough decisions which, you know, may or may not have helped him this season but he's you know he's laid his gauntlet down and said to the players like this is what I'm about this is what I want you as a squad to do and whoever's not going to be with me there's the door and he and he's shown uh, a few of them the way the way to go so you know that that's ultimately that it, it is a good season for them it is a step in the right right direction yes there's that disappointment of finishing fifth after being in pole position for four for so long. But you, you sort of look at Leicester last season and the season before being in the top four for pretty much the whole season and then missing out on the last day. And they keep, you know, it, it's it's hard to, to mentally do that. But for them, Europe is, is what it was all about. They needed to get back and, and play some uh, European football. And 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 for me, it is it is a step in the right direction. They need a good window Um to, to build on what Arteta's trying to do. Um, but they've got such a young and, and inspiring, I think, players that for, for, their, for, their, um, for the fans to, to latch on to. And as we'll speak about later, Saka being in the player of the year for the young and for you know, players of the year, it's, it's, a, it's a huge achievement. Can I, can I just um, add a point that matters? What, what, um, I know actually what, what, what you said and talked about Arteta. Uh, signing a new contract, it raises the point. Why do do they do they feel the need to announce it at, at a crucial period in the season? Right? Why should have waited till the end of the season? Surely, why would they Trevor, need to that? do it? The only reason that they would need to do that is because it will it'll stop rumor rumor mongering around around the the media, right? But what actual effect does that have on your group of players? It actually. It's a bit of a tranquilizer gun, isn't it? It's like all the, the lads who are playing in the team and they get picked by Arteta anyway. They've lost a little bit of an edge because everybody in football should always be proving themselves, and contracts should be done in summer, you know. And 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 that's it. All right, you can have a quiet, silent agreement, okay? They could eat, you know, they had an agreement with Arteta that you know they can't go back on a on the offer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but leave it, let it lie. And let's get on with football. I just don't understand why they would announce it. And I think further to that, you can look at Arsenal finishing fifth this season and think, is it going to be a missed opportunity for them, Trevor? Because it seems to have been forgotten at times that they did spend quite a lot of money in the summer. You know, they, they paid quite a bit of money for Ben White, for example, 50 million from, from Brighton. They brought in Ramsdale. They brought in some other players as well. But you'd imagine Tottenham will be even stronger next season in the race for fourth. Um, we don't know what will happen with Chelsea and their ownership situation. Manchester United have got a new manager coming in. They'll probably be strong. West Ham, David Moyes has had them up and about the top four most of the season. And Leicester and Brendan Rodgers, you think they'll want to be back in and amongst it again. So it feels like if there was ever a season to kind of take advantage, it was this one. You think that next season that everyone will be stronger again. It might be even tougher. There is also an element, uh, and Matt mentioned it, about Saka being in the player of the year categories and and you know the impact that Smith Rose had this season. Um, there's been a you know a fair sprinkling of youngsters in this side. Uh, I think they're the youngest Premier League team, if I'm correct. 
Um, and that can sometimes just, you can fall short on that. And I think it could be a little bit of exhaustion. Exhaustion, you think Saka's not, Saka's not been good the last couple of games. Smith Rowe comes off against Newcastle. Uh, and these players, the young players need to know they have to make an effect all the time. They're playing in the big league with a big team. And you don't, you, you know, poor performances do cost points, do cost Champions League places, as it has done in this instance. Because what they've done, they've lost, um, lost to Tottenham, lost to Newcastle. And they should have walked away with four points there, right? Beat Newcastle and get a draw at Spurs. So they would be going into the last game. And this, again, is just uh, post Arteta's announcement that he's got a new contract. Um, a little combination of things perhaps has gone on there. But you're right, they're going to be surrounded by challenge next season. So they're going to have to do something um, interesting, let's say, in, in the uh, transfer market. I can't, I can't see you know, someone like Xhaka being someone who's going to take you to Champions League spots, right? And I'm I'm not being overcritical of him. I'm just saying he's that he's got that level, that good professional, good player in the Premier League, but not going to really give you too much. He might score a screamer every like three months, um, but probably meanwhile get sent off and, and a few yellow cards and a bit disruptive. So I don't know. It just doesn't feel like that that Arsenal squad at this moment in time and needs it needs renewing. I think what you going back to what you said about a missed opportunity, 100% is a missed opportunity because this season they've had no midweek you know, European football to think about. They've been working on the training pitch every single week, preparing for these games at the weekend. And that's I think that's why they've been up there the whole season. But just silly, like that period of games where they lost three on, was it three on the bounce? You know, about a month or so ago, you just like, why? What that 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 should not happen when you're in this situation with we you know you've got one game a week. You're not you you don't make mistakes like that, and it has cost them because next season, yes, they finish fifth. Then they're going to be in Europa League. You know they're going to be you know it's then the whole squad size. Then you're flying here. You're doing all of this thing. It's going to be so much more difficult. And with all the other teams getting stronger, I think it's a it's a huge huge missed opportunity for them but you know you, you got to you got to get what you, at the end of the season you finish where you're supposed to because everyone's everyone's worked out where how well to play how how to do things and when you finish fourth or fifth that's where you deserve to be so yeah. unfortunately for them it's a huge missed opportunity I agree and I think you could spend a whole section of the podcast talking about Arsenal I think it's really interesting where they are at the moment it's like a game of snakes and ladders for me like you mentioned, you know, they're in pole position and then they go and lose three on the spin to Palace, Brighton and Southampton. Then they claw it back. And now they've lost two in a row to Spurs and Newcastle and it looks like they're not going to finish fourth. You know, Aubameyang gets thrown out the door and it seemed like the right decision at the time because they were flying. But then again, you lose that experience, even though he's not playing well. You've got Xhaka coming out after a game in which he knows that the players around him are young players. And he's basically saying that his teammates don't have the bulls for the job and they're not up for it. It just And, and Arteta's signing a new contract two, three weeks before the end of the season. It's just so many questions. I'm going to throw in a word, uh, immature. As a squad, they are immature. And, and, and with that, you can get, get found out. You'll get found out because of the intensity uh, and demands of the Premier League. You need steel, you know. And not all players are, are made the same. Some are more, you know, um, 
bigger personalities and characters are more aggressive, you know, but a good team, you've got a mixture of these things. But I just think there's an underlying immaturity of, of how to play as a team that when they do have a bad game, they have a really bad game. Um, but when they're good, they're really good and you can see the potential, but they fall too far from that standard. Talking about margins, you know, with your Man Cities and Liverpools, you know, if they drop, they drop like a fraction, just not quite at it. And also, oh my God, <clears throat> you know, I think back to that performance they had. It was in the FA Cup in Nottingham Forest. And they were absolutely done, you know, upside down, back to front by Nottingham Forest. And you just can't, you know, win stuff on yep. um, performances like that. Let's move on from Arsenal um, and talk about away from the top four, the bottom of the Premier League. Who could get relegated to the Championship? Who could we see staying up? Who's going to face the drop? Everton, Burnley or Leeds could go and join Norwich and Watford who have already been relegated to the second tier. Now, we're recording this episode of The Dugout on Thursday afternoon, just before Trevor actually shoots up to Goodison Park to watch his old team take on Crystal Palace. Both Burnley and Everton are playing on Thursday, so we don't actually know what the outcome of those games is going to be and what the final construct of the table is going to look like going into Sunday's uh, last games of the season. But the only thing we do know is that Leeds are going to stay on the same amount of points in the same amount of games. So we can talk about them with a, a degree of clarity and authority. So I'll come to you first, Jarvo. Leeds have had a real struggle this season. We know how much a revolution Marcelo Bielsa was for them when he came in. His time was up. They made a change. Jesse Marsh came in. They've had injuries. But they're a, a top historic club in English football and they waited so long to get back to the Premier League I mean how crippling would that be for them if they ended up getting sucked back down to the Championship oh, it'd be devastating for them um, I know we you know people always talk about second season syndrome but it's happened to them I think you know Bielsa's what he done with the club was incredible I think the impact that they had in the Premier League how, how exciting they were the style of play the sort of 1v1 approach all around the pitch but it it just faded um and i think you know obviously injuries make a huge impact to a squad that's not that's not got 25 you know, f you know like a city and a liverpool that you can just replace one for one um so injuries play a huge part but it, it discipline as well in recent weeks you know going into massive games for them and and not being having 11 men on the pitch is is a disaster. Um, you're, you're giving your opponents a massive chance to to take take full advantage, which they have. So, a real disappointment for them going into this game. Um, you know, it'll be devastating to the club for the fans. I think the Premier League loves having Leeds in it. I think the the whole history of it, the the fan base, the the stadium, the atmosphere of it, it will be a huge blow. But unfortunately. You know, if if they do find themselves relegated, it's because they haven't been good enough this season, and, and and that's that's a real disappointing thing to say. Yeah, I think the I think their squad as well. You know, should Leeds go down, will get decimated. You know, the 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 good players, um, Rafinha, Rodrigo, and Calvin Phillips. I see Calvin Phillips is already linked with with Man City. I think uh, I read um, it will get decimated and. I think they'll find it difficult to cope. If Burnley should go down, I think they are a better a better team positioned to adjust and and come back. So you therefore you do really worry for what would happen to Leeds should they 
should they go down to the, the championship. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. And you're right, by the way, Java, about the discipline. I think Leeds have got over 100 cards this season in the Premier League, which is the most ever since they started taking statistics. So, you know, you talk about injuries and the rest of the players aren't there. Do you know since Jesse Marsh went in, has the ratio of yellow cards and red cards gone up? it would be an interesting stat to see if, if it was less under Bielsa or, or Jesse Marsh, just to see, well, he's not helped. No, I don't know the answer to that, Trevor, actually. But what someone said to me the other week, which was really interesting, was that because of the way Bielsa used to play, as Jarvo said, the man-marking thing, you get a lot of 1v1 duels and individual battles. So you're more likely to get sucked into kind of trying to get the better of your opponent and making a mistake that way. And maybe that's why there's been more bookings for leads. But um, some of the tackles, like, you know, the, the Dan James one the other week, I mean, that's just a red card all day long in my book. So I just think, you know, maybe that's just adrenaline and, and the pressure of being in the bottom three and trying to avoid relegation. So certainly an interesting one from a Leeds perspective. But I, I wanted to pick up on what you said, Trevor, about who would be in the best position to return if they did go down. I think a few months ago, you were resigned to at least one of your former clubs playing championship football next season. Sean Dyche was um, dismissed much to the shock of everyone. Uh, Mike Jackson's come in. He's won the April Manager of the Month award. He's done a brilliant job. And Burnley are well in with a fighting chance of staying up. So from a, a few months ago where it could have been both of your former teams down in the championship, now it looks like both of them could stay up. So in terms of who relegation would damage the most out of the, the three potentials, which is Everton, Leeds and Burnley, um, who would you who would you say would be finding it the most difficult to return? Uh, well, Everton haven't been there for such a long time if we take them first. Uh you know the the reverberations and the uncertainties around the club, but you know Frank Lampard would would stay in my opinion. Um, he has been down there with uh, with Derby County, so he sort of walked the walk there. Um, didn't quite get promotion. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen to Everton, but the question is, yeah, I, I sort of put it in, in this order. Uh, I would put it Leeds least likely to come straight back um, I would then go Everton uh, unlikely to come straight back and then more likely Burnley just because they're steeped in this you know it's not something you can see feel it's just that's what they do you know they, they go down they come up they, they, they don't take it to heart whereas the Everton fans would be absolutely honestly embarrassed and humiliated going down into the championship. And and how do you stop that? Whereas the Burnley fans, can you imagine Everton, you know, playing? Um, no, I can't. You know, they, so, I can't imagine it. <laughs> That's the point, side, I suppose. The open day of the season. Fans will not turn up. I don't think they'll turn up because that's a reaction, okay, from the Everton fans. But at Burnley, if they go down, they'll be, let's get this, let's win every game this season and let's get promoted by Christmas. That's, that'll be their mentality. Uh, and Leeds have got a problem because uh, the the squad, as I said, will will be um, cherry picked, and and that would be an issue for them. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, Burnley would be best position for me. 
You're right about Everton. I think those first few games of the championship season, if that is to be the case, would feel like cup matches, wouldn't they? Almost, you know, like an early FA Cup round where you could go on away to somewhere um, that you wouldn't normally wouldn't normally play. Um, But by the time you listen to this, I might have to edit the podcast completely and cut all of this out because uh, there's a game tonight (laughs) between Everton and Crystal Palace, which if they win, they'll stay up for another season and all the fears will be alleviated. So we don't have to worry about that too much. But at this moment in time, as we're recording this episode of the show, we have no idea what's going to happen. But that's part of the fun. Um, We're going to talk about manager and player of the season nominations next on the dugout because there are some interesting calls and some you'd expect. We'll do it next after this. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favourite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Dugout. Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. Welcome back. Final part of the final dugout of the season. Matt Jarvis and Trevor Stephen are alongside me, Niall McCorn, on today's episode of the show. And recently, the manager of the season and player of the season nominations have been released. So it's our job, boys, to uh, act as the panel and uh, choose our winners from the uh, from the nominations list. So we'll start first with the official list of managerial nominations for, for manager of the season 21-22. Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola, as expected, are in there. The other three making up the five-person shortlist. Patrick Vieira, Crystal Palace manager. Thomas Frank of Brentford. And the Newcastle boss, Eddie Howe. So Klopp, Guardiola, Vieira, Frank and Howe. Come to you first, Jarvo. Who's your manager of the season, mate? By the way, how is David Moyes not on that list? <laughs> well, let, let's, let's air those frustrations first well, then. No, I'll, 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 I'll let it be because I know we're coming on to that afterwards. <laughs> um, but I think I think realistically, you're looking at that. Eddie Howe has done an incredible job since going in at Newcastle, but it's only since he's been in. So you can't give him the manager of the season. So um, so he he's out on that. Uh, even though he's, he's, I think he since he's taken over, he he's got the best points to games ratio behind Liverpool and Man City. So, fair play, um, incredible um, appointment. He's done really well. But I, if you're looking at the season, um, I think it's it's got to be out of Pep or Klopp, really. I, I know Vieira's done an incredible job, and and so Thomas. Um, I just think the standard that's been with them two teams has been phenomenal. Um, it's been, as a neutral to watch, it's been outstanding. Um, really has. The, the the way that they both play football, the goals, the the, the pressing, everything about it is, is is beautiful to watch. So if if Man City win the league, you're looking, you know, does does Pep get it? If 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 Liverpool win it, Klopp gets it. It's all pivotal on that. But with Liverpool, they've already won the two trophies. If they get the Champions League as well, I think it's. I think for me, you know, you're, you're then you're then looking at Klopp more than than Pep. But if this is a league thing, 
whoever, you know, it, it, it's got to be Man City if they win on the weekend, Pep, Pep's taking it home. So it, a lot riding on yeah. this weekend, really. <laughs> <laughs> Jarvo's manager of the season decision, riding on this weekend. Um, but I think that that's important if we're going to set out some parameters. It is Premier League manager of the season. So fair play if Liverpool go and win three domestic, two, two domestic trophies and a European one. But, you know, it's Premier League manager of the season. So I think that has to play a role. What about you, Trevor? Who, who are you going for out of those names? Uh, yeah, Jurgen Klopp would be would be my my choice just because, you know, the demands, um, you, know, you know, what they've achieved and actually winning, you know, getting to finals as well. Um, finals are, are difficult to, to win, very easy to lose. They've managed to get it done. Uh but as you said, it's the Premier League, so you know it's pretty well automatic that the winner of the Premier League must have done something absolutely outstanding in, the, in their management uh, execution of the job, uh, and and we know how brilliant Pep Guardiola is, uh, and his season should have been a bit even better uh, if you take away the Real Madrid um, uh, sort of debacle that they had in the end. Uh, what I like about Jurgen Klopp. Um, particularly is his interviews. And I think I know Jurgen Klopp a lot better than I know Pep Guardiola, if you know what I mean. I think Pep's a lot more, uh, I wouldn't say guarded, but a little bit more... Um, Suspicious, I yeah, think. Yeah, he's got a little bit of a... He's, you don't actually get what he's saying all the time or, or he's getting mm. over a point. I think he strikes me, having spoke to some people that cover Man City a lot as journalists, he strikes me as the sort of person that you would literally need to tune into his press conference every week for a season to get his style of delivery yeah. in terms of what he, what he's trying to get across. Sometimes he says things and you think, that doesn't make any sense. But if you understand Guardiola and you've been with him mm. for a while, I think that that then begins to make yeah. sense. Whereas I think you're right with Jurgen Klopp. You seem to understand his point a little uh, bit. Yeah, better. he's a kind of... Uh, more mellow um, in general and uh, you know very passionate about stuff he kind of goes beyond the the parameters of where a manager should go sometimes and he does like to open up about different things that are thrown to him in, in press conferences whereas as Guardiola is probably more keeping his cards close to his chest I'll let you know just enough um, you, know, you know Mourinho was the best at that and that he, he would pretty well say nothing in a, in a press conference and go through seasons like that. But, uh, yeah, for me, yeah, Jurgen Klopp uh, would, as I said earlier, that he's one that, if I was given a choice, you know, if, obviously if he wasn't managing Liverpool, wherever he was managing, I'd, I would, I'd go and play for him. You know? Yeah. All right, then. Well, sure. there was apparently 20,000 lightning strikes over Great Britain last night. So let's just guess that two of them took out Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola, respectively. <laughs> They've been smote off the face of the earth. They don't exist anymore. So now we need to pick manager of the season that doesn't include Guardiola and Klopp. Um, the shortlist is then down to three, Jarvo, Vieira, Frank <laughs> and Eddie Howe. You've already discounted Eddie Howe and your old mate David Moyes isn't in there. So I guess now's the time to... To flip your lid on that one. I know. I, I mean, I know it's the Premier League as, and we've already discussed that. But what he's what he's achieved this year at, at West Ham is it's just 
It's been phenomenal. I really, I really do think that um, they obviously they were fighting for top four for the majority of the season as well. So it wasn't like they've you know they've they've dropped out at Christmas. They were right up there all the way through to the last literally last couple of weeks. And I know it doesn't count, but even if they got if they won if they won that Europa League, you know, it's just incredible what a job he's done. Yes, they lost in the semis, but. Incredible what he's done. Um, so, do you, do you think it, it's better, Jarvo, because of what happened to him before, where he was written off at, at Manchester United? He went to Real Sociedad; it didn't really work. And uh, did he manage Sunderland as well for a point? Didn't work. Went to West Ham the first time. His reputation was not in tatters. That's unfair on David Moyes, but it certainly was on the decline from his Everton days. So, for him to have then actually gone into West Ham the second time and shown what he still is capable of, I think that's credit to him. Definitely, I think. That's the, the biggest thing for David Moyes at West Ham um, is from his previous time when he was there. I think he sort of slowly sort of knew exactly what West Ham was all about, the 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 board, everything about the club, and I think he's used that when he's come back and he's gone right. These players are not for me. They can go. This is my group of players, and you can see the work that he's done on the training pitch with every single player in that team or the squad knows their roles and responsibilities. They know where they're supposed to be, how they're supposed to work. There's no, you know, stars as such. Yes, they've got great players, but there's no the big I am's. They're all in it together. They all celebrate together. They all dive to stop the ball going over the line together. You know, that that is the sign of a real good manager that keeps that team and and speaking to the lads as well, they say that the change room is amazing. You know, that is such a good change room. And that all starts from the manager, you know, picking the players to come to the club. It's, it's keeping everyone involved in and around the training ground. If you're not playing week in, week out, it's keeping everyone together. That's a bit like we were saying earlier about Klopp. You know, whoever plays, comes, who's not played for 10 weeks, comes in, still is one of the lads and, and, and really driving, has that one goal in mind. So... He's been a he really has been a revelation for West Ham and and you can you can see that the players absolutely love working with him and I think the fans as well that's that's been a big thing for for West Ham this season is getting the fans all together with the players and the management and it, it it's been as as one and um, yeah so gutted that he's not in in that short list <laughs> long story short if this was a general election Jarvo will have spoiled his ballot he didn't want to vote for anyone he's just drawn a massive West Ham badge on it and chucked it in the box um, okay let's move on to player then uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold Jared Bowen Kevin De Bruyne Bukayo Saka Joao Cancelo James Ward-Prowse Mo Salah and Heung-Min Son those are the names that we're going to have to pick from Trevor to decide our Premier League player of the season so who would be your pick amongst that I think it's an eight person shortlist uh, it comes to me very quickly uh, Kevin De Bruyne for me um, he is he's, he's re- even raised the game level that he's He's shown us in, the, in over several years, and I, and, and I, I tell you what, physically as well, I think he's he's bulked up a little bit. He looks a bit stronger than he's ever done. He looks like he's uh, just at almost at at his, the peak of his um, capabilities. I think he'll be able to do that for another couple of years. I think we're going to get a stretch out of him yet, but I think he's matured physically as well. Uh, and you know. If it's not going right for Man City on the field, he's the first one to go and make it better. He will go and make it happen. 
and he's the instigator of it and the catalyst for so much where Man City are maybe not quite doing it. De Bruyne is the one who's likely to to lift uh, lift the standard. Um, he's a goal threat, both feet. He sees passes earlier uh, than anyone else. Um, he delivers with with such regularity. Uh, and and yeah, for me, he's just an outstanding footballer, and I would have no hesitation. I know we've got some great names in there, uh, and we can maybe talk about the guys who are coming through, you know, following this. Uh, but I think we need to throw this back to to Matt to Jarvo because um, that's a different conversation. That you know, you've got a seller in there. Um, I know Matt was mentioning uh, earlier when when uh, before we did the podcast that Manny who certainly had a brilliant season as well. They're contenders. But for me, I can't see past Kevin De Bruyne. I, I don't really have an argument with that, to be honest. Um, <laughs> he, yeah, I, there's nothing more I can add to about Kevin De Bruyne. Um, if we were doing like we did with the managers and not, not having a Liverpool or a Man City player in it, um, you, for me, there would be two and it would be, be a tough, tough call uh, between Bowen and Son. I think Son's, you know, 21 goals, seven assists is fantastic. No penalties um, as well, John. No penalties, ex- exactly. Uh, I think, but his importance for that team as well. Um, and on the on the flip side, you look at Bowen, he's 12 goals, 10 assists. And what he's done at West Ham this season is, is, is it just epitomises what I said about David Moyes. He's been that player um, in his work ethic in that team as well. Uh, and scoring really important goals, and he's only going to get better as well. So, them two um, would would be high up on that list. Um, so, it, that, that that's a tough choice if you can't pick uh, Kevin De Bruyne, which ultimately we we both would. Yeah, I mean, for me, Kevin De Bruyne is the most machine-like footballer I think I've seen in years. And when I say that, I mean it's just everything's done with yeah. laser-like precision, but machines sometimes break down. And, and he's he's very similar to that. Sometimes he does break down, but there's no frills with Kevin De Bruyne. You don't have the fanfare that follows him around. He's just... Yeah. Like, even in the way he strikes a football, he hits the ball so hard and true that there's nothing kind of mm-hmm. frilly about it at all. It is just punchy. Everything he does is just completely rock solid. Yeah. You know, there's rock like steady. No waste, is it? There's no, no wasted, waste, yeah. A great way Amazing. of putting it. And very similar for me is, is is Harry Kane in the way that he's just kind of, much like when you see Harry Kane take a penalty, it's just arrowed in, straight mm-hmm. in. There's no, there's yeah. no, there's nothing, yeah, like there's no fat around the edges um, when it comes to those players, which is, which is, yeah, a testament to them. Um, so that was Jarvo's take, Trevor, on, you know, minus the City and Liverpool players. So that means we're getting rid of Alexander-Arnold. Those lightning strikes are back. De Bruyne, uh, Cancelo and Salah. No Mane on there. So that leaves uh, Jared Bowen, uh, Saka, Ward-Prowse and Son. Well, exactly what Jarvo said, to be quite honest with you. Uh, it would be between Bowen and Son uh, because of what they've the impact that they've had and the importance. And when again, when games are not going to plan, it's these two guys for the respective teams that that have changed the tide for that for their teams. Um, you'd probably say that Bowen has made the most strides, though. Um, he's elevated himself, obviously, into the, the bracket of potential England player. Uh, 
uh, Son has been doing what he's doing for a while, and we know he's capable. Bowen, I think, you know, coming out of lower league football not that long ago, and to have become an absolute fan fans favourite at uh, uh, at the London Stadium. I would, I would, I would, I can't see myself giving it him. I think he deserves full merit for what he's done and and how far he's developed. Uh, I think Son's lifted his game, but not to the extent where Bowen is now uh, a feature in every game. He doesn't have a quiet game, Bowen. You know, and uh, he always always does something. If he's not scoring, he's he's causing havoc. Um, uh, so I, I'll go for Bowen. Yeah, I mean, there's a bit of crossover, actually, when it comes to not just player of the season, but young player. Trent Alexander-Arnold and Bukayo Saka are both in the nominations for player of and young player of the season. Some of the other names, though, in that young player list, Declan Rice, Aaron Ramsdale, Mason Mount, Tyrick Mitchell and Conor Gallagher, both at Crystal Palace, and Phil Foden. So even if we're not going to pick a winner out of those, Jarvo, there are some ridiculously talented names on that list, aren't there? It's, it's brilliant. It really is. It's it's so good to be able to sit here and and you know view the season as a whole. We're still waiting on the top two. We're still waiting on top four. We're still waiting on the relegation, and all of these players. It's they they've been a joy to watch this year, uh, and it's exciting to to watch the youngsters coming through. Um, and, and some of them names you mentioned. You you know we 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 haven't really spoke about like we sp- very briefly about Saka, but. He's coming off the back of England as well, and and coming into this season, he he's been he's been fantastic, really has what he's done at Arsenal. He had a period of time where he was the one that we were saying about Bowen and Son, but he was the one week in week out getting Arsenal out of it and and scoring key important penalties and, and goals. But you you say Mason Mount's on the face of it, maybe he's had a quiet season, but he hasn't. His statistics are right up there as well, so it. As I said, it's really good to see such a nice uh, crop of young players that are performing in the Premier League at elite level week in week out. So I'm 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 truly buzzing to to see it all week in week out. Yeah, well, I was just going to say that you know that you know Phil Foden, he must have been in this award category for five years, hasn't he? I mean, he's still you know such a, a, a mature. Well, he's become a mature footballer now. I suppose it's your preference for me between a Declan Rice and what he brings to a team and a Phil Foden. That would be my, those would be the two that would be in contention for my vote. It probably depends on how I wake up in the morning um, as to who I go for. I think they're both going to be superstars, you know, um, go to the really the highest, the highest levels. And that means the sort of De Bruyne level uh, as, as they develop as players. And uh, they're certainly both going to be capable of it. Yeah, the criteria for that young player award is they need to be 23 on the first day of the season or younger. So, um, so yeah, I mean, some really good sort of under 23 talent coming through. OK, well, that's it. That's the end of the dugout for not just today, but for this season. And we'll be back, of course, next season with uh, more Premier League previews and more chat from all the biggest news stories across the top flight of English football. Jarvo, Trevor, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks to everyone who's listened to the dugout this season. We've really appreciated your support, whether that be subscribing to the podcast or leaving us a review. Every single time one of you listens, it, it does mean a lot to us. So thanks for all your support throughout the season. And we'll be back next time. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.